You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Padres podcast, which is part of of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Thursday, October 13th. As always, I am your host with sometimes, occasionally, but I promise you certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with some of my baseball-related work over at Just Baseball. You can check that out. Great website. Love it very much. Certainly going to be doing a a whole recap of this Padres playoff run with the with the way they've been playing. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, that's spelled J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, for movies and Padres takes. But if you only want Padres takes, go check out at LO underscore Padres on Twitter. If you want to see whatever crazy fit I'm wearing, this time I'm, I'm rocking a little bit of team gear because my my Padres shirts are, are kind of in the, in the washer right now. Okay. Because I've been rocking them so much, especially for that Mets series. But I promise you, it's, it's it's still a pretty good outfit. Just ask anybody. Ask anybody. You'll see in the comments on the YouTube, I promise. Uh, but no, in all seriousness, guys, thank you for making Lockdown Pirates your first listen every day. Free and available on all platforms. We got to talk about... On today's episode, last night's game between the Padres and the Dodgers. That was, I mean, frankly, an absolute blast. I mean, it was an absolute blast, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk talking about game one a little bit since we didn't recap that one. And then talk a little bit about what to expect from game three and beyond. But man, man. And look, I didn't tweet this because I didn't want to get people upset. Um, the Padres folk, because I know, and in fairness, I would understand if people are upset, but there was a point in this game, I think it was the double play, if I'm not mistaken, that Jake Kernworth turned. I'm not exactly sure what moment it was for me that I was like, no matter how this game turns out, it's going to be a classic. This was a great, great game. Great defense by Manny. Great defense by the Dodgers, too. With with Even Bruce Star Gratterall makes a great play on a squeeze bunt. Um, from Trent Grisham, which I didn't love, but it's it's still a really good play and whatnot. Just elite awesome stuff, like, all the way around. And it's funny because it's not because, you know, you Darvish and Clayton Kershaw were particularly on. Um, in the case of Darvish, serves up some home runs in this game. But five innings, three earned runs on seven hits. Not the best in the world, but certainly not terrible. This was not Mike Clevenger in yesterday's game, who we'll be getting to in a little bit. Um, and he also did manage to get seven Ks. Not the best in the world, like I said. It wasn't like his first start um, against the Mets last week when he only gave up one earned run. But at least he did manage to last and go into the game. And that w- that ends up being a key in this one as well. Uh, and then Clayton Kershaw, he goes five innings, giving up three runs on uh, six hits and no walks and six Ks. So very, very similar stat lines. Um, to start off this game, though, to start it off, this is when you knew it was going to be a classic. A solo shot from your MVP, Mr. Manny Machado. And at some point, we're going to have to do an episode talking about that. Because at first, I thought that it was very clearly going to be Goldschmidt. And let me be clear, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, they are eliminated. That does not mean that, um, that that should be taken into account necessarily for the MVP award, just because it is a regular season award. Um Look, if you want to change that, then go talk to the folks, right? But 
That's how it is for every league. I will say that there's actually a little bit of a case. There's a little bit of a case, and I think that the biggest case is that he's clearly just, just not clearly, but a lot more valuable to the Padres than I think those guys were in a vacuum in the sense that they had a lot of really good, talented players on that team and from a pitching perspective. And I just think that Machado, you could argue, like he had to, especially for the first month and a half or two months, really just came into the season knowing I need to carry this offense. And that means a lot for you to also come through. I, I do. I do think that it means a lot that heading into the season, you know, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with Profar yet. We didn't know what was going to happen with uh, Luke Voigt, RIP as a Padre. And he comes in and delivers, right? And he delivers in this game, making some really great defensive plays too. I liked when he stopped Bellinger from going home. He kind of did a little, you know, glance at him and whatnot. I don't know what to call it, but that, that was really funny. And... In general, just all the body language from Manny, he's so locked in, and I, I love that. I love that he's kind of almost like the catalyst of the rivalry, per se, right? Like, he's the one that people look to. He's the one that people boo nonstop, right? I will say, didn't appreciate the Dodgers fans booing when Bob Melvin came out to check on Austin Nola. I didn't appreciate that. I'm not going to get into the Dodger fan railing because I don't like taking necessarily dumb fans at ballparks as a way to just enlarge that probably minority of a group and then turn it into this giant thing. It's fun every now and then. Don't get me wrong. I'm not above it, but don't want to do that for this episode because this episode we should be celebrating. We should be celebrating the fact that Manny Machado also had an RBI double in this game, um, which was awesome. And then Jake Cronenworth, he had a ground out as well, but he also had an absolute moon tank nuclear bonanza babugazooka home run in this game at the top of the eighth, giving the Padres a nice, much more comfortable two-run lead, which it's not like they end up blowing it. They went 5-3, but just that insurance run is huge, especially against a team like the Dodgers, especially when you have Josh Hader, who has been better of late, but I'm still not sold. I'm still not, and to be quite honest with you, I was very scared watching that ninth inning just thinking, all right, he's missing the zone. He's throwing a lot of balls up. Oh, there's a double from Freeman. Like, I was worried, but thankfully, I ended up getting it done. I think a couple of notes in this game. Jake Cronenworth um, makes a good defensive play on a double play that they end up turning to get out of a really bad situation when I actually thought that you Darvish might have been left in the game a little bit too long. Right? He gets left in, and then we have ourselves a first and third, nobody out. And they get out of it thanks to Robert Suarez, 31-year-old rookie, comes in, gets the strikeout, and then gets a double play turn by a nice little flip from Jake Cornerworth, who in this game goes one for four, but with two RBIs and a home run. That is important because in the last series against the Mets, he was bad. And by bad, I mean 0 for 13 with 6Ks. The bats, the bats looked bad. Um, there was a moment tonight when he swung at the first pitch and then hit a pop-up. That was bad, um, but it wasn't nearly as bad as the rest of the Mets series. The Mets series, he looked lost. And while he is a good defensive player, and I'm hoping that overall, heading into next year, this is just a down season for him. And if this is a down season for him, then man, is Jay Cronenworth a good player. But, you know, he needed this. He needed this because there really was talk about, you know, are we going to platoon, right? Are we going to use, say... Brandon Drury instead, right? Are we going to rock Brandon Drury at second or do something like that, right? Or or, or vice versa, right? Like, you, depending on what kind of pitcher we have, especially against maybe lefties, right? But Cronenworth uh, came through today, and that's good because they're going to need him because Cronenworth is a good player, and what I love about him 
is it's not all the time the way Manny is, right? I think Manny's always ready to get this, get it spicy and whatnot, but Jake just shows that emotion and that like just charge, right? You saw him after he hit the home run. He was amped. I love that, right? Like I absolutely love, love, love that. And it's great. Um, It's just great. It's just great. The Padres end up winning this one. Obviously you should get that by now. And that's kind of like the main storylines from the game. I think that there were some rough calls early on. Clearly Darvish was annoyed because a clear and obvious strike three should have been called on Max Muncy. And then he ends up hitting a home run after that. Now, I have to admit, the more I've covered baseball, the more I've really begun to respect and appreciate why why the strike and ball calls really are such a big deal. I used to view it as much of a like, all right, it's one call, like get over it. But the more you look at numbers, the more you look at run value, the more you look at just the trend of the game heading more towards home runs and whatnot, that every pitch really does matter a whole lot more. I mean, that's not the end of the world. If the Padres lost tonight, I can't just say, hey, second inning, you you, you messed it up for us, right? <laughs> I can't just say that. Um but it is something worth bringing up. Unfortunately, though, it seems like in the minor leagues, the whole robot ump stuff isn't quite uh, figured out yet. Still, uh, you know, tinkering with that system. But, um, yeah, we had a goose in this game. That was incredible. And, yes, I was nervous. Someone actually tweeted out. Let me make sure I actually get the exact tweet right uh, that I received. That Goose Gossage had a 13.5 ERA for the Padres in the 1984 World Series. But I'm sure Josh Hader doesn't care about omens or general Padres malaise and cursory. That's really funny. And I actually tweeted out myself where I was like, please don't let the the goose become like the Dodgers version of like the Emma Stone thing. Like it becomes their celebrity fan, I guess, right? That pick would live on forever. It's still hilarious. It's great. The game really did have it all. And they got like a they got a single from Gavin Lux after that. That should be mentioned, right? That actually is worth a bringing up that it did bring them some luck, but thankfully not enough for them. And man, that's, that's just hilarious though. I I really appreciate that. And you guys know, I do not like, or maybe you don't know longtime listeners may know. I'm not a fan of goose gossage. I think he's comes off as being incredibly just, and then I don't know if naive is the right word, but just arrogant and way too just old man off my lawn type and just rageful and annoying. I, I'm not a big fan of Goose Gossage, and in 84, famously, very bad for the Padres. Coming in, saying, don't take me out of the game, and then gets lit up, right? So, again, this game really had it all. It had it all. It had it all. But before we keep talking about it for just a little bit more, and then looking back at game one, ladies and gentlemen, I need to talk about something important, all right? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Dress shirts, you know... Sometimes they can be uncomfortable. They can be really tight. If you guys don't notice, you know, I often wear myself some some hoodies around. I, I don't tend to go that direction because there's – I don't like having a hassle as well. I don't like it when I have to change all my clothes for different activities and whatnot. And, you know, I know that for some people this isn't a big thing for me. But for other people, they really want to look good or whatnot. Well, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen. The dress shirt was due for a radical reinvention. And Roan stepped up to the challenge. That's right, guys. Roan's commuter shirt is the most comfortable, breathable. Breathable, that's key. You got to be able to breathe. 
Everybody. It's, it's important out here. Drink water, by the way, as well. I've been drinking on this podcast. Mm. Nice and refreshing. All right. But it's the most flexible shirt known to humankind. And here's why. Mobility, very important. Roan's comfortable four-way stretch fabric provides breathability and flexibility that leaves you free to enjoy what life throws your way from your commute to work to your dodgeball. You know, I'm going to be signing up maybe for a little intramural dodgeball coming up. Maybe you want to be ready for that, but maybe that's not exactly the environment, but say golf. There you go. Your golf session, right? That's a better one, right? Keeps you comfortable for that. And looking good is easy. You feel confident with a wrinkle-free shirt without the hassle with Roan's wrinkle release technology wrinkles disappear as you stretch and wear the shirt it's that easy how sick is that it's like a it's like the wolverine of shirts it just heals itself you know <laughs> and it is oh and it has odor free tech with gold fusion anti-odor technology you'll be smelling fresh and clean all day long and on top of that roan is 100 percent machine washable so you can ditch the dry cleaner all together Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you. It's great stuff. It's great stuff. The commuter shirt can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to roan.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on to save 20% off your entire order. That's right, listeners. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to roan, R-H-O-N-E dot com slash locked on MLB and use the code locked on. It's time to find... Your corner office comfort. Seriously, go guys. Go check it out. And now I'm putting the glasses back on. Spoiler alert for people who maybe are only listening to the audio and don't know what my fit be looking like yet. But we're back, ladies and gentlemen. One other thing I want to mention before we get to game one. Because in fairness, game one is also a little bit sad. So we, we, we don't have to spend too much time talking about that one. For the last year, two years... Everyone talks about rivalry when it comes to the Padres and Dodgers circle. And oftentimes what happens is people say, you know, from the the Dodgers fans, they say, it's not a rivalry, it's not a rivalry. And they continually like to say that. I've had Jeff Snyder of Locked On Dodgers come on and say the same thing. How much the Dodgers fans have a a penchant for, uh, a tendency, I should say, for saying how much they don't care about the Padres constantly. It's like that tweet from Drill that's like put in the newspapers, tell everybody I'm not mad. It's kind of like that vibe, right? Like, it, it's it, it's always been an issue. And then for Padres fan perspective, I will say that there are some things with the roster building. I've, I've never really liked that the critique of the Dodgers is the whole bought, not built thing. I've never liked that. And it's also true that, well, we're not necessarily the same league as them right now. So I understand Right. And I also don't like the generalizing of some Dodgers fans. Right. That's more of a like that's too heady to get into right now. That might be something deserving of an entire podcast, this Padres Dodgers dichotomy. But I'll say this last year for the first half of the season. I don't know if you guys remember first game against the Dodgers last year, 2021. We got those Tom Verducci pieces that great cover art with the Tatis and Manny throwing fireballs and then Mookie and, and Freddie Freeman or, or not Freddie Freeman. Was it, was it Freddie Freeman? I don't remember. No, it was like Mookie and someone else. Was it Trey Turner? I forgot who the heck it was, but it was, it was him and a bunch of other Dodgers like throwing back and all that stuff. Right. And they're just saying like, this is the next great rivalry and that 
if you look back at early 2000s, like Yankees, Red Sox, it was like the best thing that could happen for the sport, the rivalry between those two teams. And then the first game of the year, we got that. I still remember, I will never forget, when Jerickson Profar and Clayton Kershaw were going getting at it. That's crazy to me because, one, Profar isn't necessarily, I don't, I'm not going to say he's like a super laid back guy. He certainly isn't. But it's not like I expect him to see him like jawing at other players. And Kershaw, certainly, you don't. And they're getting into it. You have the Tatis doing the, the, the eyeball thing with Trevor Bauer, a known jerk, right? Like you have all of these different things in the early games. And then you have the, the sweep at one point at Petco before the All-Star break that the Padres have over the Dodgers. And it felt like, man, this is some good stuff. And then the collapse happened and then it kind of dissipated not even dissipated the rivalry disappeared and here's what i'll say and i've been saying this for a long time just because a rivalry is a lot more nascent does not make it any does not mean it's not a rivalry right so here's what i mean by that just because this is only starting to get really spicy over the last couple of years doesn't mean it doesn't count anymore i do not believe that rivalries have to have history i think rivalries have variables Right, I think that there are rivalries that it's, you have the 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 Vikings and the Packers, right, or the Bears and the Packers is a better one. Where that one is more of a historical rivalry, because lately it ain't been nothing, right? Like the, the Packers are getting their butts kicked, like or the Bears are getting their butts kicked by the Packers constantly. But there is still that little bit of fuel because it is so historic, right? Yankees, Red Sox, right? Uh, I I know there's some big ones in soccer with Man U and Man City, like there's some crazy ones there, and you know, don't get me wrong, and there's been a lot of them in the NBA. Remember Clippers Warriors? That was legit for a little bit. Just because it's gone now doesn't make it any less important and valuable to, you know, onlookers as sports fans and just drama queens and people who love watching drama and whatnot, like myself. I think that one of the things that made Padres Dodgers so interesting is that a lot of times people would say, oh, well, the Giants are the actual rival. My thing is, yeah, they are. From the playing perspective, the on-field product, the Giants have always been a lot more competitive with the Dodgers than the Padres. It's true. But for me, my thing is, you can tell from those last games, or those early games last year, against the Padres, between the Dodgers and Padres, I'm slurring my words a little bit now, that there was something more there. With the Tatis things, right? With the, the Manny jawing at Bruce Dargrattle, There's there's all sorts of things. And it wasn't just because both teams were great. You know how many oftentimes teams face off that are just, be- it's just they're great? It's not a rivalry though. That doesn't own, it's not the only thing. And to last night's game, that was the closest we've seen to fireball. This is a rivalry matchup between the Dodgers and Padres that we've seen since the first half of last year. And that's what I loved about it. It was a classic. There were plays all over the place. There was a damn goose. A damn goose. A goose. Goose. I don't know what sound a goose makes. Quack. I don't. I don't know what that, that thing makes. But it was awesome. It was awesome, and we should cherish that, right? Because hopefully we get games like this for the rest of the series. Hopefully they go the Padres way. You know that'd be great. But man, like this is what baseball needs. And that's what they love, right? So hopefully it gets even spicier as things go on. Um, I'm excited, man. It's gonna be great. But let's talk about game one a little bit. Just want to agree, Cap. Biggest thing in game one was, first of all, just this is a great example of it ain't over till it's over, right? Just, it's it's 
the Padres end up losing, right? The swing, bizarro version of last night's score, except the Padres end up losing this one, and it is largely due to the fact that Mike Clevenger is unfortunately cooked. been saying this for months now. If you look at the, the end of the season, strikeout to walk rate, Mike Clevenger, one of the worst. His FIP was over seven. One of the worst pitchers in all of baseball. And the big issue here was, man, uh, I thought we were going to have this guy in the playoffs. Right? I, st- I remember. I remember everyone was like, it goes Musgrove, it goes Darvish, and it goes Clevenger. Right? I remember that. There was a point in the season when that's what everybody was thinking. And now it's Darvish, Snell, Musgrove. Right? That was at least the initial um, trio that the Padres brought out. And you see why Clevenger was reserved for the fourth one. He ends up giving up five runs in only two and two-thirds innings, four of them earned, two walks, three Ks. 13.5 ERA, if you wanted the math on that. Mm. Yeah, um, very bad. Very bad showing for Mike Clevenger. One of the most concerning things about him for a while has been his inability to make... Um, get strikeouts, right? Doesn't make bats miss. And his walks are also really frustrating. He should not be walking nearly as many batters as he does. Not that it's astronomical, but he's just no more at this point than a high upside four in a rotation. Now, don't get me wrong. Could he get better in the future? Of course, right? It's possible. It's totally possible. You saw, what's his face, Alex Cobb? Have a pretty great season for the San Francisco Giants, right? And he's like 38. It's totally possible. Totally possible. Now, Cobb has had plenty of injuries too. But with Mike Clevenger, that really is just what he is at this point. It's a high upside four, which, don't get me wrong, still has value. Um, um, but every, with every start, the upside seems to be dissipating more and more. Um, this is a team that definitely might even be entertained the idea of, oh, do you want Cal Quattrill instead? Uh, who they ended up giving up for him, along with Josh Naylor and Austin Hedges. Hedges, whatever, I don't care. It's a fair question. Um, But you also have to, and I've been a little bit mean about Mike Clevenger. I made the joke about his numbers ever since he called out Tatis, which I thought was genuinely just funny, but I also have my reasons for thinking that. I I don't know, I just thought that he needs to be a little bit more you know, self-aware of the fact that you got caught doing something very dumb too. But also, the other reason is because, you know, they they traded a lot for him and it just stinks that with the injuries that this is just what he's become. And in fairness, if you look at it from that perspective, Mike Clevenger even just being able to pitch is still pretty incredible. I know he got really emotional after his first start for the team this year because he didn't know if he would ever come back. And that's just that's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. I know some people will look back and hate that trade, but I think in the moment it was absolutely a fair move to make. Remember, this is before they even had Musgrove. This is before they had Darvish. This is before, heck, even Mackenzie Gore was called up. At, at the time, everyone's worried about where Mackenzie Gore when he's going to debut, right? So, And at, what they had at the time is Lament and Zach Davies. So they said, let's go get ourselves another pitcher. And they did. And I totally think it was fair that they traded for him. You can't predict things, at least I don't think you can predict things like a Tommy John surgery, especially for someone who's already had one, right? So I still defend the trade. I do greatly defend the trade, but it's at least worth bringing that up. 
And also, I forgot really quickly, guys. Let me talk to you about something. Something really good. Unlike how Mike Cleverger has been pitching. Let me talk to you about Built Bar Puffs, ladies and gentlemen. I've been talking about Built Bars and screaming from the mountains forever. Man, I've been talking about these things. You are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. That's right. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Built Bar has done it again. Cookie dough chunk puffs. Light and chewy texture. Real cookie dough chunks. And of course, they're covered in 100% chocolate. All the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. Plus, it's healthy for you. Only 160 calories. And they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. Bam. Mm-mm-mm. Tell me that ain't good. Tell me. Go ahead. I dare you. I dare you. Say it. Say it with your chest, man. Come on. Anyway. Uh, personally, guys, I've loved Built Bars for a long time. I love their puffs. I love their regular bar flavors. You should check them out. They're really, really good. And all of them covered in 100% chocolate. Remember that. That's key. <sighs> you're going to love this this cookie dough chunk puff, man. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. But because you're listening to this podcast, that's not all, ladies and gentlemen. Go to Built.com and use promo code Locked on 15 and get 15% off your order. Remember that is promo code locked on 15. Go check it out. All right. Let's keep moving folks. Let's talk a little bit more about game one. I got a little bit on a side tangent about not only just Mike Clevenger, but also the rivalry thing in this game um, for the Dodgers was Julio Urias who went five innings Gave up three earned runs on four hits. Didn't walk anybody. Had six Ks. Kind of similar to how Clayton Kershaw was in this game. Uh, in last night's game, I should say. I think it's very interesting that the Dodgers pitchers really just don't feel like they're that scary. Right? And don't get me wrong. Part of that is because they lose Walker Buehler. Right? They lose him for the rest of the season. Dustin May, just coming back from an injury. He's not all that right yet, but he's got a bright future. Clayton Kershaw is declining a little bit. Their pitching's still great. But in term, I think there's a difference between a regular season roster that's going to put together wins. You're going to have really good managing decisions. You're going to be able to mix and match properly. You're going to have great relievers. I think there's a difference with Urias, Kershaw, Gonsolin as your trio, right, in the playoffs versus the regular season. When you're playing against teams that are more amped, right? They've got a little bit more drive. You've got better teams that are playing. You've just got better batters. You've got Manny Machado that you're going to be facing off against. That could be the Achilles heel of the Dodgers. But then again, we still have to see how this goes. Because it's expected to be Tony Gonsolin uh, for the Dodgers tomorrow. And he had a great season. It was kind of his coming out party. 2.14 ERA on the season, over 130 innings. And he had 119 Ks over those 130 innings, which is key. I want to bring that up. I think Tony Gonson's a good pitcher. I do. I think that some people call him overrated. I'm not interesting in that, interested in that label, but he is going to be one to watch tomorrow because, as I say very often, these people who break out, pitchers that break out, what is their first start going to be like? I love seeing the first start of a guy. Are you going to end up being someone like, uh, hey, David Price, who's on the Dodgers, he used to be extremely bad in the postseason. Then, of course, because the universe hates us, he finally figured it out when he joined the Red Sox, of course, of all teams. And to an extent, the Dodgers. 
Or do they just become these guys like, say, Max Fried, a former Padre, who comes in, actually, uh, um, what's it called? He didn't pitch great uh, in yesterday's game, I think. What was it? Or was it game one? I don't remember. But, you know, you, you're like a Max Fried where you kind of make your debut in the postseason and you're awesome immediately. Like, it's totally, I want to see how Gonsolin does, right? And it's expected to probably be Blake Snell. If it's not Blake Snell pitching, then maybe it's, maybe it's Shamanaya. Oh. Oh, I just gave myself a shiver. I did. I did. I feel it all over my back right now. That's not fun. Let me just check if I have any update. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Okay. I don't see anything confirmed yet, but anyway, um, it's going to be interesting to watch that. Snell, uh, whenever he ends up pitching, this is going to be huge for him. The last time he really pitched in a big game against the Dodgers was that World Series game famously. I think he's going to bounce back. I really think he is. I do. I think that the Dodgers have a great lineup. Don't get me wrong. It's better than the Mets. I don't know. I feel a good Blake Snell start coming. Or at least an effective one. Maybe Even if he only goes four innings but doesn't give up any runs, it's still something, right? So I'm curious to see how he goes. And then, of course, Cotton Eye Joe, the, the San Diego Stallion, he'll be coming up soon. So that should be a lot of fun. But, you know, I think that... The first game overall in this series shows you why you don't give up. Because after that first game, everyone was like, wow, the Dodgers just look better. And they did in every every facet. right? I still remember how it started off. right? Let, let, me, let me bring you the start off of that first game. It was Profar ground out, Soto ground out, Machado ground out. Then it was Drury strikeout, Myers pop out, Cronenworth pop out. Then it was Hassan Kim strikeout, Trent Grisham strikeout. Nola double, Profar strikeout, right? Like, the Padres were getting killed for most of that game. And then top of the fourth, Soto lines out, Machado strikes out, Drury strikes out, right? Like, you see what I'm saying? It only happens in the top of the fifth when they start to get some runs, um, thankfully. But it should be noted that beginning of that game and a lot of it, it just felt like, wow, they're outmatched, right? And then here comes, here comes yesterday's game, which in fairness, I will say, I think Darvish didn't. I actually think his stat line was better than he actually pitched. I don't. I think he gave up a lot of hard contact. I don't really. Which, granted, that does happen with Darvish starts, but he made me nervous. He made me nervous, and there was a couple balls, especially the Freddie Freeman hit, that might have been a home run off of Josh Hader. Don't get me wrong, but it's this is why you don't give up, man. It's a long series. It's still the playoffs. The fact that they're there. The fact that they're going to be playing an NLDS game. For like the first time, I think, question mark, at, in San Diego since like forever. I don't, don't quote me on that. Wait, what? Didn't they though in 2020? I forgot. Because they played the Dodgers in 2020. That had to be NLDS, right? Right? It has to be. Okay, so it's not the first one, but it's one of the first one. And it feels crazy, right? To, to have that. I can't wait to see San Diego rocking. Unlike the Mets in game three of the last series, I fully expect the Padres fans are going to come out in droves. So that should be a lot of fun. Um, but again, emphasize that this is, I mean, you, you just can't give up, right? And I'm not necessarily saying that the Padres are going to win this series, but hey, this is why you, you want to make the tournament in the first place. This is why you, you go to the dance. You don't go to the dance to just hang out and get your, your bowl of punch and then say, ah, yeah, I'm not going to get the get the girl in the first place right now. No. No, you go to the dance because you were invited, you made it there, you look good, you're worthy of being there, and you're going to go give it a shot. And even if it doesn't work out, 
right? Even if you get roasted, even if all the, the guys are like, you idiot, she's out of your league or whatever the heck. It doesn't matter, man, because the trying is what counts. And that's what I like, right? You know what I mean? I don't know why I just came up with a prom analogy for all this, but that's, that's, that's what it feels like, ladies and gentlemen. Good vibes. Good vibes. Key for the next game, how long can Snell last? And the other thing is going to be is just what will Tony Gonsolin look like? I don't know. I don't quite know. But Petco, it, there is a scenario in which Gonsolin comes out there, goes like three innings, gives up like three runs, and we're like, yep, wasn't a guy who could immediately be great in the postseason. It's totally possible. And I like that possibility. I like that dimension. Don't you? You know what I mean? Don't you like, you know, Spider-Verse? You know, there's different variants and all that. Maybe a little Loki. I like that variant. I like the variant in which Tony Gonsolin doesn't exactly have a great playoff. Big time. Starting pitching. Kind of premiere. You know? That's what I like. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, with that all being said, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Go check out Locked On MLB if you want a more general scope and view by Paul Francis Sullivan. But call him Sully, please. Uh, he's going to be talking about all the games and whatnot. In terms of the future of this show, I am actually going on a little bit of a mini vacation for my sister's birthday. So I'm not going to guarantee that you get an episode uh, after Friday's game or even on Friday, whatever it is. Because I'm going to be running around. We're going to be all over. I'm not going to be home. I'm going to try and record. Because if something crazy happens when we're watching this game, I'd like to record. So if Friday's game goes nuts, right? But if it's like a 7-1 Dodgers win, right? Like I'll just wait until the next game transpires. And then I'll give you that, guys, that podcast on Monday. Okay, that big recap. We'll see how it all transpires. Hopefully the next time I talk to you guys, the Padres are looking even juicier. So just a little bit of a warning. That's what's going on. Um, So yeah. So yeah. And until next time, stay safe and of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care.